The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're kind of wrapping up our mini-series, if you will, around uh, the grace of God expressed in the body of Christ. And uh, we've been looking at how God has, has worked in our in our in us by bringing us into this body, right? He's taking us out of, uh, out of the world, out of sin, out of death, placed us into Christ, made us part of the body of Christ so that we uh, are, have a new destiny, a new inheritance. We are redeemed out of, uh, out of our destruction, so to speak. And we have, what, what do we do with that? Because it's people from every tribe and tongue and nation that God is kind of place, making a, a new home, right? You know, springtime is that, is that time where uh, people start thinking about their homes once again. You know, like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't like this over the winter. How am I going to change it, right? And we think about reconstructing our homes to make them more homes for us, right? The whole point is it's got to feel like we belong. We, like, this is where we, we fit, um, how did your, how did your home fit for you this week, right? Like, my wife and I were talking about, yeah, we probably need a new vacuum cleaner, um, because one of ours died recently, and we're like, okay, yeah, we gotta do that, and, and then I'm always kind of thinking, oh, you know, it'd be nice if, and, uh, my, my, my father's working on his garage, kind of turning his garage into a place where he can, enjoy his retirement. And uh, at the same time, he's like, I'm going to put some, some uh, insulation up on top of, you know, and I'm thinking, I, I need to put more insulation on my house, you know, so then I, I pay less, right? So, so then I feel more at home because I'm paying less. And, and we, we make these decisions and we make these kind of uh, things that we're thinking through. Why? Because we want to feel secure, we want to feel safe, we want to feel uh, like we belong there, right? That, that's what we do. And here's what God is doing in us. He is making us into his home. People from every tribe and tongue and nation are being recrafted, recreated, if you will, into this place where God is going to dwell for eternity, where he is going to feel at home. And, of course, we, we like to focus in 20th century America, we, in a sense, we, we focused a lot. When I was growing up, there was a lot of debates on how to, how to make churches grow. And there was a lot of focus on, like, like what, what is it going to take to bring people through the doors, for instance? Or there was kind of an opposite reaction of, just preach the word, just preach the truth, and that's all that matters. And then you had other, other ideas about how, how to make this work and, and how, to, how do we get people to, to be a part of the church. Paul here in Ephesians chapter 4 is saying, this is God's work. <laughs> we should pay attention to what God is doing in the church because as we pay attention to what God is doing in the church, then we, can, we, we get the truth of what God is doing. And so I've got Ephesians chapter 4 here up on the screen. We've been looking at this passage. I'll start again in verse 7. Nope, I'm in Galatians, not Ephesians. That's a problem. 
Again, starting in verse 7, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In the saying, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, that is, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all things, that he might fill all things. Again, just focusing on what Christ has done to win us this grace, this cosmic victory that Christ has won over the devil, over death, over sin, over evil. Christ won it at the cross and the resurrection so that we could have the grace that he wants to give us, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, into the coming ages, forever, to experience the, the lavish riches of God's grace. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the church for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, two, two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that there's three Three repetitions of the word measure. One at the beginning, one at the end, one in the middle that kind of tie this paragraph together to say the measure of Christ's grace is, is the thing that we're going for here. And we looked at the fact that, the, last week at the fact that he gave gifts to the church of people to equip the church in grace. To help them to realize, to, to mature in grace, to go from being a children in grace to being adults in grace, so to speak. And if that's true, then here's just maybe like breaking down that last passage here. I just kind of give maybe give you a kind of a, an understanding of how these connections come together with different uh, colors that quite come off the way I hope they would. But okay, so he, up here he gave the apostles, the prophets, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So this is this is the goal that. The goal is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but the, that, that work is for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So here's the, the, the end goal of building up the body of Christ. Here's the negative, the opposite, the thing we don't want to be. We don't longer want to be children tossed to and fro by waves in every wind of doctrine. Man, manipulated here by different ideas that come, come across that are just deceitful and man-made. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So these two ideas are parallel. That is, he's saying there's a goal that we have. The goal that we have is that we're speaking the truth and love and living out the gospel that Christ is the head, right? That Christ won the victory, that he is the one we all look to. And how does that work? Well, the work of the ministry is the whole body joined and held together by what every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, again, that's the word in measure, in the measure of the grace given to each part, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so you have these ideas here, but the question really comes down to, okay, 
the, what, what are the, past, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers equipping the saints to do? Well, it's, it's, really, it's really the whole thing. It's to understand the whole, the whole idea here is that we're all in grace, that we're walking in grace, but that at the same time that each part would use the grace that it's been given to bless the whole, to support the whole, as we all look to Jesus, Right? And so the big idea that I want to get across this morning is that there's, there's the thing, what, what do we need to be doing as a church together? Because the, kind of sometimes the debate is, who grows the church? Do the pastors and teachers grow the church? Do, do the people grow the church? How does that work? And, and Paul is saying here, it's both and. It's not like the, the pastors and teachers do everything. Like if, if you're thinking, we're, as most of you know, we're looking for the, a third pastor to come in and, and bless the church, be a gift to the church to equip us, right? Um, but if you're saying, well, that, that pastor will come in and he'll do the work of the ministry, he'll grow the church. No, that's not what this is saying. He's saying each one of us, when each one of us does what we're called to do, then the church as a whole grows together. But at the same time, if the pastors and teachers don't do their part, then we also have a problem, right? And so, just some, just some thoughts here as you think, you say, well, what does speaking the truth in love look like? Well, actually, it's pretty, pretty clear that he's saying that in, in opposition to being manipulated by deceitful schemes, okay? So, so it's the opposite of manipulation, and at the same time, it is speaking the truth in love. So, actually, Paul gives us a great example of what speaking the truth in love looks like, and it's exactly the next paragraph in, in the book, Okay? So let me just read for you the next paragraph, and you'll hear Paul speaking the truth in love, all right? He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to take up every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness." Here, here Paul is pleading with them. He's not come using a lot of like, well, if you, didn't, if you didn't get circumcised, then you're not a Christian. Or if you didn't do this, then you're not a Christian. He's like, you're in grace. You're in the grace of Christ. But if you've learned Christ, then you realize that you put off the old way of thinking, the old way of living, that, that my desires are what define me and my desires are what's good for me, that, that I know what's best for me. <laughs> You put that off. Why? Because you've been created in, an, in the new man, made to, be, made to be like Christ. And so you live not for yourself and your own desires, you live for Christ. That this is what it means to, to walk in grace. Grace doesn't mean, oh, I can do whatever I please, I'm forgiven, hey, God loves me anyway, so why does it matter? No, grace says, I've been forgiven. I've been cleansed, and I now know the truth. I don't have to be deceived. I don't have to be manipulated. I know who God is, and I know how to please him, and I want to please him because he's rescued me from sin and death. And so I search, and I follow after him. 
That is what speaking the truth in love looks like. And at the same time, we're called to, this, again, this phrase here, by every joint with which it is equipped, um, is kind of deceptive because in the, in the sense of, it, it helps you understand the translation, but it's, it doesn't give you the full idea. A better translation might be, by every joint that's, that supports, the supporting joints, the supporting things that connect is the point. The, the metaphor is of the body, right? It's a, it's a working out body, okay? Uh, most of us try to work out, right, after the New Year's, you know, like, okay, I got to either lose some weight or get in shape. I got to do something. I've been sitting around on my rear end for too long, right? The, the, the metaphor here is for the body that is working out, that is growing. How, how do you get, a, with your workout body, do you, do you just sit there and be like, well, if anything hurts, ouch, this pinky hurts, I'm going to hold it, and I'm going to just put a Band-Aid on it, and uh, I've cared for my body. No, that is not a workout body, right? A workout body says, it hurts, but um, I'm going to do what's good for the body. I'm going to work the body. I'm going to make the, the, the ligaments and joints and everything move. I'm gonna, uh, there's connections here that I've got to work, that I've make, got to make active, that I've got to make do something, because if they don't do something, then they're going to atrophy and die, right? And so it's just saying the whole body, when you understand that the body is joined together through Christ, through what Christ has done, and that as you support one another, you, how do you support one another? By, by loving each other and, and pushing on each other and encouraging one another and saying, let's go together and beseeching one another. Hey, let's do this together and let's follow Christ and let's avoid this and let's go after this. As we speak the truth and love to one another, and as we, as we stay connected to one another, the body grows in love. So here's just three ideas that I think grow out of the passage, because it's complex. And I, I just want to break it down and maybe bring it down to a lower shelf for you, so to speak. So the first point, I think, is he's saying you have to grow your capacity for grace. Grow your capacity for grace. What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of times people look at churches or groups in general and they think, what are their capabilities? Like, what can they do? Like, can they, can they go to the moon? Can they, can they make this happen? Can they make that happen? And the focus in this passage is not on the capabilities of the church, it's on the capacity of the church. That is, what can you hold? What can you experience together? I have here a bowl of water. And I could ask you, how much does, does the water in this bowl weigh? If you've been a cook for a long time, you know it's uh, approximately probably 8 to 10 ounces of water. When I, when I cooked, which I haven't done for a long time, as my wife will tell you, um, I got pretty good at estimating how much is in a bowl, just, just by sight, right? Because you have to do it so many times in, in putting recipes together. But th the real question is not how much water is in here so you know how much it weighs. The, the real question is, can I hold this bowl? How, what does this bowl weigh when I've held it for an hour? How about two hours? If I tried to hold the bowl for 
eight hours, my, my arm would be pretty sore, wouldn't it? Like right now, it's nothing. I, can, I mean, I can feel it, but it's, it's relatively nothing. But by tonight, if I'm still holding on to the bowl, what? My arm is numb. I've probably lost all feeling of my hands. And at some point, even though I'm trying to hold the bowl, I'm going to drop it. Not because it's too heavy, but because my ligaments, my muscles are under strain for that long. Some people approach religion, and especially Christianity, as if I've got to hold the bowl. I've got to keep holding the bowl. I've got to do all the right things. I've got to, to make sure I stay okay with God. And, and it feels like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like you, some people that get into, I'm going to switch hands because it's getting hard. No, yeah. uh, it's, it's no big deal. You just, you, know, you just go to church. You just be a good person. It, I, I know I wasn't like that before, but I can do that now. But can you not sin for a week, for two weeks, for a month? Like, how long can you go doing all the quote-unquote right things? At some point, your ligaments start feeling the strain. You're like, I, I don't want to do all the right things anymore. I, I, I feel hurt. I feel angry. I feel depressed. And at some point, you have to let the bull go. And the point is, is that when you set the bull down, the weight is gone. And that's, in the sense, is what Christianity comes in and says, Christianity is not about you holding the bowl and proving that you're good, that you're right. It's about setting down your own righteousness and receiving the righteousness of Christ. The problem as Christians a lot of times is once we've set down the bowl, we want to pick it back up again. We're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I know Christ has forgiven me. I know I, I, know I don't have to prove that, that but, but I did pretty good this week. You know what I mean? I held it together this week. I know I had some challenges, but man, I still got water in the bowl here. I, I'm still good. I'm still holding on. And, and what Paul is saying here, first and foremost, is, is that what being a Christian is, is growing up into Christ. It's understanding the grace that you've received. It's more like saying, you're in, if you can imagine, you're in this bowl, swimming around in grace. Grace now surrounds you. It now floods you. It's now the environment you walk in. When you go home, grace is there. You're like, but I messed up yesterday. Grace is still in your home. Why? Because you're in Christ. You say, I go to work. My boss is terrible. Grace is still at work. You're still in Christ at work. You still have his mercy and love and patience and kindness in your life at work. You say, but, but what about the future and what about what's going on in the world? You're still in grace. And the problem for most Christians is not that... Is, is that they don't stay in grace, is that when, when they find something that happens in their lives, they're like, oh, my kid's messing up. Or, oh, what about the, what's going on in the world? Or, oh, this is happening in my life. What's going to happen with my job? Instead of staying in grace, we tend to try to swim to the edge of the bowl and try to get, work our way out of the bowl. Like, I need something better to stand on. My, my own performance, like, boss, 
yes, I know this is, but, but you know how good I've been at work, right? You know I deserve to keep this job. We're like trying to hold on to our performance, to what we can do, rather than swimming in grace and being like, God, whatever you want from me, I can trust you. You're good to me. I know you love me because you sent Christ to die for me. We don't, we don't swim in grace. We're constantly trying to pull ourselves to the edge of the bowl and find something else to stand on. Does that make sense? And growing your capacity for grace is growing your sensitivity to realize, man, yeah, look at what I walk in. Look at why I live amongst. See the grace of God. See what Christ has done for me. See that I can listen to him and follow him because he rules and reigns and I can trust him. And yeah, okay, my kid is messing up right now and, and I, I, I feel the pain of that, but that doesn't mean that Christ doesn't love me, that Christ isn't at work in the situation, that, that, that grace is not surrounding me even as I'm walking through this. And that, and why I say that grow, grow your capacity for that, because that is a hard place to be. That is a difficult place to be. You're constantly f- searching for something secure to stand on, something secure to, to like cling to. And there is nothing more secure than the grace of Christ. There's more, nothing more secure than the love of God. But we try to find other things to cling to. You think of what's happening in Ukraine, right? If we grow our capacity, I'm going to set this down because otherwise it's going to, I am going to get tired of holding it. Think of what's going on in Ukraine. Right? I was, it rocked me at least, right? To see everything that's happening and realize, okay, the, in a sense, the old world order of, of how this things have been kind of held together over the past few decades seems to be falling apart. What's going to happen? What do we do? We still live in grace. We still walk in grace. God is still in control. With the young professionals, we're on Wednesday nights, we're going through Daniel, and we were actually in Daniel chapter 7, which is a parallel of Daniel chapter 2 this week, and talking about the statue that represents the world governments, and it started with Babylon, and then you had Persia, and then you have Greece, and then it ends with the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire splits into two, two legs, two feet. And ultimately, that whole statue gets destroyed when God's kingdom comes. But the, the, the point is, is that that there's these two, these two legs that are standing there. And what we're seeing right now is simply just another evidence of one leg is competing with the other leg for dominance. The two sides of the Roman Empire, the east and the west, not the east like in China, but as in the east side of the Roman Empire and the west side of the Roman Empire are still like, we want to be in charge. And it's sad that men have to seek their own dominance and power. But it just shows that God, it's just another 
evidence that these two are part of God's plan. God knows what's going on. God's in control. Like, yes, wars and rumors of war, as Jesus said, are going to happen, but the end is not yet. God's plan is still moving forward. And that is our hope, not in the security that the United Nations can bring, not even in the security that the the United States Army can bring to us. None of those things are secure as much as the grace that we have in Christ. He has won the victory over sin and death. That is our hope. That is what we cling to. And what do we like to do? We like to swim to the sides of the bowl and be like, oh, our government better do something. Europe better do something. Somebody better do something. And we want our leaders to do something. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that our hope is not in whatever they do that's going to make a lick of difference. Because they'll do stuff. Everything they do is under God's control, under God's sovereign, prophetic plan for the world to ultimately bring everyone under Christ. And if that's true, then what? We walk in grace. We live in grace. And if you don't have that grace just for a minute, I would say, as Greg so perfectly shared, there is a place of grace You just come to the cross and you ask for forgiveness. You pray saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. And you can receive it. Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will receive grace forever and ever and ever. So how are you growing your capacity for grace? Just by being in, aware of it, walking in it, living in it. Second thing, I think this is what he's saying is build a two-way connection with the body. Build a two-way connection with the body. Because what he's saying here is, yeah, you have supporting joints. That is, we're all connected to each other, and we support one another, and we support one another by exercising the grace we've received, sharing it with others, right? So the point is, is that we both need support And we need (laughs) to give support to one another through grace. Sorry, I gotta how does that work? I think part of what he's saying is the quality of your connection matters more than the number of connections that you have. Sometimes we think, well, I just need more connections in the church. And although that doesn't hurt, it's the quality of connection that you have. Are, are you supporting and, and being supported? Now, let's just talk about this, because the temptation, right, in some ways, is to be independent. If you say, well, I've received grace, so I don't need the grace of the church. I don't need to be a part of the body, But actually what he's saying is you receive receive the grace of God through the connection that you have with the other members of the body. If you're disconnected from that, then then you 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 don't receive the grace that you should receive. And we're tempted to be independent. I mean, this is kind of, right? They talked about the Marlboro Man way back when I was when I was young. 
You know, it was the guy that could kind of handle anything life throws at him, and all he needed was a cigarette, you know. And he was just tough, right? And, and, and sometimes that's our ideal about what it means to be a man or what it means to be an adult, is like you can handle anything that comes to you through life. And he's saying, no, you, you're part of this connection, this body that's caring for one another, that's supporting one another. And at the same time, sometimes we're tempted on the other side to be just like, well, I can't do anything for anyone else. I just need to be dependent, dependent on others. I just need to get their grace, receive their grace, and, and, and it'll, that's all I need to do. No, you, you have been given grace in order to share that grace, to share the love that you have. To, if you see opportunity to share, to do it. Now, I'll just point out here in some ways that that's, that, that two-way connection is not always two ways all the time. Does that make sense? Like, sometimes you are giving to someone and giving to someone and thinking, well, they're not giving anything back. Okay. Maybe they need to be challenged to do that in various ways, but that doesn't mean that the body's not working. It just means that you're helping maybe help a part of the body that's sick that needs some help. But the other side of it is, in my opinion, in, in our culture, is the, the challenge we have with building a two-way connection in the body is that we're too busy. We're too busy, okay? We have so many things that we're doing that we never just slow down and connect. You know what I mean? We don't just say to one another, hey, let's, let's, let's have a cup of coffee and talk about what God's doing in our lives. Let's, let's find out how, what the needs of each other. How can I pray for you? How can you pray for me? If, if we're, we're always just getting stuff done and never just connected, then there's a problem. Because part of the emphasis here is just on connection. He's just saying, you're connected. You, you, you didn't know it before you were saved, maybe, but you're connected now to other believers. You have a connection to them. And to say, nope, I don't need that connection, is to rip yourself out of the body, you know. It'd be for like the kidney to say, oh, what am I doing here anyway? <laughs> I'm just going to leave. And the rest of the baby be like, wait a second, stop. I think I need a kidney, Right? Why? Because God has made the kidney to have a certain function. Do we ever, I hope I never see my kidney, right? Can you imagine seeing your own kidney? You'd be like, there's something seriously wrong with my body. You know? Why? Because my kidney isn't supposed to be seen. But it is connected to my body. I care for my kidney. Hopefully by not eating too much sugar, right? Or not, and eating, drinking enough water. And at the same time, uh, I let my kidney just do its job. It, it doesn't really want to be seen, and I'm perfectly fine with it not being seen. Why? Because the body is the body, and it works together. So we build that two-way connection in the body so that we, so that we stay connected. We know each other's needs. We pray for one another. One of the biggest things, frankly, is just praying for one another, right? That two-way connection of, I know what you need, and I'm praying for that because I want to see God work in your life. You're praying for what I need because, you know, uh, you want to see God work in my life. Uh, uh, how is that going? You know, we have the prayer class, and I know my dad actually is, 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 is 
it's going pretty good because my dad says, hey, we've got to split off more people are getting into the prayer boost on Wednesday nights, which is awesome to hear. My last point is just this. Look for opportunities to love out of grace. Let me just stop here and say, this is all out of grace. If you're not growing up into the head that is Christ, you're going to struggle with this because you're going to forget that it's about grace. And you're going to see somebody's need around you. We've had a couple of people lose their babies recently, right? You can see that need and be like, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. That's too hard for me. That's too big. Ah, no. Rather than just saying, man, I can do something. I can love in a small way. Why? Because I've been given a small amount of grace. I can, I can, I can love out of grace because I've been given grace. You get it. The point is not... The point is not that the body sustains the body. The point is the head sustains the body. Christ is the head of the church. He is the the flow of grace. Grace comes from him and goes through the body to other parts of the body. But the head is the head. He is what we live and swim, so to speak, in. And we care for one another out of that. So look for opportunities to show love out of grace. Can I just give an illustration here? Like, so on Wednesday night, we, we have our kids, uh, at least our elementary kids and our older kids come in and they're learning God's word and sometimes memorizing God's word. Why? Because we believe that God's word is key. Why? To, to understanding grace and not be manipulated by deceitful schemes. Okay? And so they're learning God's word. But if you just focus on the task... Right? Oh, I gotta make sure they hear the lesson, they memorize their scripture, check off the box. You're you're missing the point that you get that you're connected, you're 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 able you're it's not just the task that needs to be done. It's seeing a kid who scrapes his knee running across the gym floor. It's like, hey, I'm gonna show compassion here. It's, it's, it's looking at the teacher who's done another lesson this week and saying, hey, great job. Thanks for, thanks for sharing how, out of God's grace that God has given you, thanks for sharing with someone else. You know what? If, if we had a night where no one learned God's word because we had some kind of issue happen, or you know, maybe, the, oh, maybe the power, we were all in here and the power suddenly quit on the building, right? And all of a sudden we were stopping and having to learn. The body is still the body. The task is an import, as an important as the connection. And so we live and walk in grace. So here's what Paul is saying. The body is this amazing thing that God is creating for his home. And it's not a perfect home yet. He's still working on it. There's rooms he's adding, rooms he's remodeling, and things that are happening. And in the midst of that, what we need to remember is God's, Christ's victory is ours. He has won the victory over sin and death, and therefore he is pouring that into us as we follow him, as we remember that, it, that we don't have to live according to law, we live according to grace. 
And so we plead with one another, hey, let's, let's give up the old ways of living like everybody around us is doing. Let's not live like everybody else. Instead, let's, let's live understanding who Christ is and wanting to model Christ and wanting to lift up Christ. And, and man, you have a need. Let me pray for that need. And maybe I've got some resources that can help that need. Why? Because we've been given grace and we can help one another. And as we do that, as we love one another, the body grows. And that's why, first of all, the Gideons are here, right? Because they want to say the word is important. And the word is important. But then we take that word and we live it out. We flesh it out. We become, in a sense, literally the body of Christ, right? Loving one another. Serving one another. I don't know how March is going to go. We're almost there, right? I'm hoping, I'm hoping, like literally I was talking to somebody about this. I'm hoping that spring actually shows up. You know what I mean? Like where is it? What is wrong with spring that has not shown up yet? But it, in the midst of that, whether that happens or not, I have the grace of Christ. And I can walk in the grace of Christ. And I'm hoping that I connect with some of you and I hear, man, this is going on in my life and I need prayer of this. I'm like, I'll pray for that. And maybe, maybe somebody's like, hey, I need this. And I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit hurting here. Maybe, well, I've got some resources. I can help with that. Why? Because I love you guys. I, I, I know that I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, but it's not about us being perfect. It's about living in the grace of Christ. It's walking in the grace of Christ. And if we can do that together, we show off the glory of Christ to a world that can't get along, that is always searching for power, that is hating and hating one another. And we have something different. We have the grace of Christ. We can share that grace. We can walk in it. We have the beauty of living in Ames, Iowa in 2022 and, and, and seeing the grace of Christ here spread all over the world so that more and more people might know the greatness of who Jesus Christ is. Let's do that together, shall we? Let's walk in grace. Let's swim in grace. And let's share grace. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace given to us through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross that we no longer have to live according to our own righteousness, holding on to how best we've lived and what we can accomplish ourselves, but we can swim in grace. We can speak the truth in love to one another. And we can stay connected to one another in a busy world and focus on the grace of Christ. Help us to do that. To your glory and honor because of what you have won for us in Christ. In your son's name we pray. Amen.